Welcome to 4D. Deep dive into degenerative diseases. Gaining insights through casual and amusing clinical conversations. Welcome to 4D, a podcast brought to you by the ANPT Degenerative Diseases Special Interest Group. I'm Parm Padgett, a physical therapist, and I serve as secretary of the DDSIG. We're excited to bring you this special series of short podcasts, which highlight the winners of our 2020 Combined Section Meeting Awards. This year at CSM, our committee awarded two poster and two platform awards to standout presenters with topics relevant to degenerative diseases. We have put together a series of four podcasts interviewing the awardees and discussing their findings. And I'm here with Lindsay White-Walston. She is a clinician and recipient of our best poster in the clinical category at CSM this year. We're excited to talk to her about her poster, which was titled Utilization of Manual Therapy to address pain in people with Parkinson's. And it was a case series. So Lindsay, welcome. And tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do. Thank you. Currently, I, uh, like you alluded to, I work in an outpatient neuro clinic, just about 30 minutes north of Atlanta. I am also a neurologic residency director at PT Solutions. We're in our candidacy phase of accreditation, so we're moving through, through that process right now. So I have a really cool, unique patient mix in my current clinic. I range in uh, patient populations from ALS to movement disorders to concussion, vestibular rehab, and also I treat a lot of runners. That's where a lot of this case study came from is kind of molding together orthopedic and neurologic treatment principles. When I started therapy or physical therapy, I was pretty certain I wanted to work in inpatient neuro rehab, which obviously didn't happen since I'm in an outpatient ortho neuro clinic. Uh, and I kind of got to see that little bit of disconnect and almost compartmentalization of specialties. So I saw Parkinson's being treated just as Parkinson's, and if they happen to have back pain, maybe they got passed off to another orthopedic specialist and maybe came back to get treated for Parkinson's at a later time. And it just seemed really interesting to me because personally, I didn't feel like I had the tools at that point in my career to address back pain. I was really, I felt like I was really good at Parkinson's, but to treat somebody with an orthopedic really wasn't my specialty. And that's kind of how I ended up um, with the practice I'm with now, PT Solutions. Uh, I got to gather some exposure and experience in the orthopedic world and ended up doing an orthopedic residency, which was never my intention, but it was really great to get some advanced training to kind of mold these worlds together, which is essentially where uh, that case study came from, is just combining manual therapy, which is traditionally very orthopedic in nature, with uh, a lot of the traditional neurologic movement disorder treatment principles. Cool. So... You are um, an overachiever <laughs> because you have your neuroclinical specialty and your orthopedic clinical specialty, mm-hmm. right? Not the plan, but it worked out. I mean, this is it, I, one of the yeah. things that I've kind of learned is you just kind of like take opportunities as they come. I was very much planning on the neuro field, not so much on the orthopedics, but so it, it's not exactly as planned, but it worked out okay. Yeah, that's <laughs> cool. So tell us 
um, a little bit about the specifics of your poster, which we loved as we were going around. It was uh, very fun and interesting. And um, I think something that we really need to start addressing in people with Parkinson's. I mean, over 80% of people with PD have back pain, right? Mm -hmm. So so it's it's limiting people's ability to exercise and, and it's something we need to address. So take us through your poster. Yeah, sure. So, I mean, some of the background and some of the reason that that came to be is because of what you just mentioned, the overall prevalence of things like back pain in people with Parkinson's and how that can be really debilitating for those individuals. Maybe it's not the traditional impairments that we associate with Parkinson's that are really limiting that individual's function. It could be more pain related. And there's a lot of neurophysiology that could relate to that but at the end of the day we want to address all underlying impairments back pain included and so essentially what this case series describes is taking somebody through what would be a very traditional plan of care from a parkinson's perspective so all uh, four of these individuals went through amplitude training balance training some strength training what you would traditionally associate with um, somebody with parkinson's but they also received some level of manual therapy intervention at the beginning of the session. So all these individuals had pretty significant complaints of low back and neck pain. So ranging in initial pain scores of four to six. And so this was something that was a definite need and something that had been identified by the patients. So it was something we incorporated within the treatment session. And that manual therapy ranged, a lot of it was based on what the individual complaints were or what the patient presentation was. So included soft tissue mobilization, joint mobilization when appropriate, thoracic manipulation for a couple of them were good candidates. And then with a goal of working from pain reduction and then also in improving mobility. We know from the research that manual therapy tends to be transient in nature, but we know that it can temporarily reduce pain perception and with, had the end goal of improving range of motion and then improving exercise tolerance so that maybe we could get them working at a higher intensity. And so each of these individuals were brought through the manual therapy and then in addition to typical treatment. The other thing that was really interesting about this group, and it, I didn't realize it until I was collecting data, is that all of them had had some level of spinal surgery. Three of the four had had a fusion of some, of some kind, mm -hmm. and then the other had had two laminectomies. Yeah. So that was an interesting just side note. And I, I think very common for people that we see mm -hmm. with PD yeah. to have had some level of back mm -hmm. surgery or some kind of yeah, surgery. That is something that I tend to see a good bit of. I didn't realize it like the level of frequency until I started chart reviewing everyone. But so these individuals went through the typical plan of care as they moved through as the pain was reduced, the manual therapy was tapered off. So whereas the initial intervention might have been geared towards pain reduction, then maybe joint mobilization, improving typically spinal extension and rotation. And then at the end of the discharge, there's no manual therapy given. So these people ranged in visit numbers from two or from 12 to I believe it was 27, which is a pretty big range. It was spread out over a pretty long duration of time. Um, so just to back up, how many patients did you have? I had four. They're all male. They range in age from 65 to uh, 75. Okay. All right. And you were saying that they were seen from, was it 12 to 20? something visits? 27 was the total maximum visit. Okay. Um, which from a utilization of care perspective, I know something you want to keep an eye on, particularly because these individuals are Medicare. From a duration of care perspective, 
um, the 27 visits was over the course of about four months. So it was a longer duration of care. All of those individuals were discharged with a NPRS score of zero, with the exception of our 12-visit individual had a discharge score of one. None of them, so we assessed a couple of different things, one of them being mini-best as just a classic assessment of mobility and balance for somebody with Parkinson's. So all of them demonstrated uh, the uh, exceeded the minimally important clinical difference for the mini-best, so no longer classified as far-risk. And then the other little bit of a unique outcome measure that we utilize is called photo. And it's essentially a patient perceived functional outcome tool. So basically the patient is asked at what level of difficulty certain functional tasks are, and then they uh, rate as their plan of care moves along. So again, exceeded uh, the expected change for all these individuals, pretty high level of function and high overall satisfaction from a plan of care perspective. Mm-hmm. Great, neat. And photo is something that you pay for. It's a, it's on the iPad, right? And we will put a link mm-hmm. to that in our show notes just so that people can learn more about that outcome measure and sort of how it trended. And so, so you said they improved in their mini best test score and they improved in their photo score. And then what kinds of things did, were people reporting in this case series in terms of their back pain and its ability to, you know, to impact their exercise? All of them reported initial complaints of moderate back pain. So ranging in scores from four to six. And for a lot of these individuals, they referred to their Parkinson's, but when asked what, what they like to work on in therapy or what their goals were specific to therapy. One of their goals for each of these individuals was to address their pain. A lot of them, or at least two of the four noted that back pain was one of the primary limiters from a functional perspective. So that's something that they felt like was significantly impairing their ability to do whatever activities they'd like to have done that in a given day. You found that this this sort of mixed intervention of their typical sort of our typical neuro approach to the PD with some manual therapy helped with all of that? Different points and goals for the manual therapy. So from a neurophysiological approach, we know that mobilization from soft tissue, joint perspective and manipulation cause a little bit of a neurophysiological cascade that has a, a typical time window attached to it. Usually most of the research supports about two hours. And so that can cause a temporary reduction in pain perception and some of and some other things that might allow for an increased activity tolerance. Mm-hmm. There's also the psychological piece of that the therapist is actually is building that therapeutic alliance, putting the hand your, their hands on the patient where they are hurting mm-hmm. and building that relationship in that regard. So there is the neurophysiological perspective from the manu- for manual therapy, but there's also the psychological relationship development perspective that the therapist understands where my pain is what's going on. And even if it's temporary reduction or just like building that relationship, allowing them to transition to exercise and maybe do a little bit more than they might've otherwise been able to. Yeah. I mean, pain is so complex and has so many aspects to it. I think that as, as neurophysical therapists, we're going to have to sort of start figuring out how to like 
partner with our orthopedic colleagues and learn and really start addressing pain in a comparable way and, and consistent way so that everybody's sort of giving the same message. I think that's a huge piece to it. And I like that mm -hmm. you're able to sort of give us that, that orthopedic lens on, on some of the stuff. I think it's unique, but I think it's to some extent the future. I think it's where we have to go as a profession to really treat people, particularly when we're getting these reports that, that we have this many people with back pain and that's just back pain. Like a lot of people have shoulder pain and, you know, foot pain from mm -hmm. dystonia and like a lot of other things. So I think that there's a lot to be done in the realm of pain. That's pretty exciting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it can be pretty debilitating for them too. I know we traditionally, like I call myself a neurologic therapist um, just because that's like where my, that was my initial start and that's my background. But that's our initial thought is function and balance and some of the more neurologic associated impairments. But for a lot of what matters from a treatment approach is like what the patient perceives as being the barrier. So for a lot of these individuals, if they're feeling pain whenever they move, they're less likely to move, which can create a lot of negative things from conditioning, strength, and balance, and a lot of the things we would traditionally treat in neurologic rehab. Right. Yeah. So Lindsay, I want to congratulate you for this poster. We really enjoyed it. Uh, we learned a lot. And, you know, I think that as clinicians, we're going to have to start really addressing this stuff. And this was a great example of how to work toward that. Thank you. I appreciate that. And we would love to have you back at some point in the future on the podcast to talk more about what you're doing and how you're treating patients. Yeah, anytime. I'd love to. All right. Great. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this special edition of 4D, highlighting an awardee from CSM 2020. This podcast was produced by the ANPT Degenerative Diseases Special Interest Group. Subscribe to our newsletter on the ANPT website, neuropt.org, or check us out on Facebook. Please share this podcast with a friend or colleague. Thank you to our volunteers, Liz Yates Horton, Casey Houlihan, and Rose Gallagher. Special thanks to Jimmy McKay for providing music. This podcast was edited by Sarah Crandall with help from Parm Paget and Katie McGraw. It's a little bit glitchy what we're experiencing. It, Sarah, how does it sound to you? Does it sound as bad as it does to me? Like, so we're going to just cross our fingers that the recording is good. And then if not, Lindsay, we might be like, we got to do it again, but let's hope not.